How many remember junior high PE class? Okay, how many of you tried to check out, you like wrote fake notes? Any fake note writers? Come on, look at me, look at me. There's a few of you in here. That's a, that's a lot. We, this church needs a lot of Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> this was um, a, a very interesting season in my life as you're trying to figure out your personality and figure out what you're comfortable with and friends, and, and you just do dumb stuff. Anybody, did, you just done some dumb stuff in junior high? And yes, I did a lot of that stuff. So our, our junior high... PE teacher called us all into the guys' locker room, which, by the way, why do all guys' locker rooms smell the same? Every, it doesn't matter where you go. You can, any high school, any junior high, they all have the same funk. It is like, it's like clothes that haven't been washed in six months. Come on, talk back to me, everybody. Nasty stench. It's just rank. I don't even know if there's like a, a smell that you can, you can call it. And, and the clothes are gross. Like, they are so stiff. Don't you dare try to you like fold that T-shirt. It will crack on you and disintegrate in your hands. But, so my, my teacher calls us all in, and this guy, we're waiting for him to start, start talking, and a guy jumps on the table and starts to do a little dance. He's just being silly. Well, as an eighth grade young man, I come over and think it'd be a great idea to pants him. So I do. I come over, and I just, you know, he has two pairs of shorts on, so calm down. Okay, so I... I pants the first, just to kind of scare him, right? Just let him know. And he's like, oh, and he grabs, you know, his shorts and everything. is It's funny. Everybody's laughing. I laugh. And as soon as I laugh, I turn and run the other direction. I take one step and I run into a weight bench. Bar. Like, you know, it's like one of those weight, you know, for the legs. It's up here. And I'm like, <laughs> and I fall to the ground. Everybody now is laughing at me. I have like this half ring, like a, it's a, it cut me. Like I'm bleeding on my head. It hurts so bad. Have you ever been hurt so bad you want to cry in front of people, but you can't? That's what I'm feeling, and it hurts so bad. Turn and tell somebody the sermon title today. Turn and tell them. Turn and tell them. That's going to leave a mark. Come tell the other person, that's going to leave a mark. That is going to leave a mark. Well, guess what? It did. To this day, I could still feel the dent in my skull. You know what the next day was at school? Picture day. Picture day. That's what I get for being stupid, right? I, and you can't take retakes unless you take the first take. You should have seen my picture. It was the ugliest picture in the whole. I had this big old ring around my, right here, bleeding, like dry blood. I'm mad, just like, mm, take the picture. That left a mark for, for eternity on my forehead. Can I tell you, a lot of us, we want to leave a mark in life. Not like that one. But we want to leave a mark somehow, and we want to leave a lasting impression. Well, today I want to talk to you about leaving a good kind of impression, a good kind of mark in life, because we all know what it feels like to wake up every morning, we ask these three questions. Whether directly or indirectly, you're asking the question, what's my purpose in life? What is my purpose? You can write that down. What's my purpose? And that's why 40 Days of Purpose was such a a top seller, because people don't know, and they're searching for purpose. Second question everybody is asking every day is, does my life even matter? Like, does my life matter at all to anybody? It doesn't matter. Is it, am I valued? Is, is there a reason I'm here? And does my life count? The third question, which I want to discuss today is, will I ever do anything significant? Will I ever do anything significant? These are questions every one of us wakes up with, and, and we're, we're desperately trying to answer on our own. I'm telling you, you can only find the answer to all three of these questions in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of confusion around these questions and a lot of confusion around significance. As a matter of fact, this generation is so consumed with becoming famous. And they think that if they become famous, they'll find significance. But how many know there's a lot of famous people who hate themselves? A lot of famous people who feel empty and lost and alone. Well, as a church, we would like to help you with, with these questions. To help you get to a place where you know, you know that you do have a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. That there is meaning. Your life does matter. And you're on this earth not to just take up space and suck air. You're you're here to make a difference and to live a life of significance. I want to show you this. The four things that we do at the church, you can write these down, is number one, we want you to know God. We want you to know God. And everything starts here. And, And your life will never make sense until you get this part right. And to know Him personally, not know about Him, but to really, really know Him. And once you know God, then there's got to be a place where you deal with your yesterday. Because what do you do with your issues of life and issues of the present? Where do you go with that? Our Freedom Conference this last week was so incredible. 
And, and so many people are giving their guilt, their shame, their wounds, all that to God. And they just, all of them, 100% said they walked out feeling lighter, feeling better. They, they had given that to God. Well, where do people go that don't know God? They're trying, to get, they're trying to get step B done without step one, and it doesn't work. You've got to know God. He's the one who gives you a place to work out your issues. And the best place to do that, where is the best place? On a Sunday? Which is knowing God, that's dedicated to Sundays. 95% of people that give their life to Jesus do so on a Sunday at our church. So Sundays aren't just about us. We don't just come and, well, feed me, feed me, Sean, feed me. No, we actually now have a dream team of people that, that say, I'm going to set my preference aside. I'm going to set my, my, my wants aside. And I'm going to come on Sundays to serve people so that they can have an experience that could change their life. But then where do you, where do you, where do you work out your issues? Is it just on Sunday, like in front of 1,000 people in a service? No, it's in small groups where you know people love you. You know people you can trust. That's where we work out our issues. And then thirdly, after we've done that, you, you got to know there's two great days in your life. The first day is the day you were born. That's a great day. The second great day is when you find out why you were born. Okay, a lot of, all of us know the first one. Few people know the second one. The why were you born? We want you to know, and that's our we want you to discover purpose. That's through our growth track. Write that down. Growth track. And that happens the beginning of every month except January because January 1st, we have no service. It's New Year's Day and we're giving our dream team a day off. And uh, January 8th, though, we're coming back with, with uh, a lot of fire in us and excitement for a new year. But we start our growth track. It's four steps, series of four classes where you can join the church, discover your purpose, and then you jump on the, the, the last part which is you need to make a difference. You need to make a difference. That's our dream team. That's everybody who serves here. And we have probably about a 1,000 or more people on the dream team that serve. And they know what it's like to serve in their gifts and in their passions. And when they do that, watch this, they come alive. When you serve in areas you're not gifted at, it doesn't make you come alive. You get frustrated. So the discovery process, the growth track, is to help you discover what makes you unique, why you're created, and what you're created to do. And I promise you, it's going to help you make a difference because every one of you, you were created to leave a mark on the earth. And your life matters. And, and when you connect to that, it's going to make sense. When you don't know what your life is about, your life's never going to make sense or be fulfilled until you're making a difference in other people's lives. As a matter of fact, that's what makes this day so significant is because we're going to look at what God has done over the last 12 months We'll show you a video here at the end and trying to encapsulate a little bit about what God's done. And then we're going to talk about what we're going to do. And today is Legacy Sunday. We do this once a year where we give the entire offering away. At the end, we're going to take an offering and we're giving it all away. It's going to be hilarious to do that. How great is that that you go to a church where the church can afford to do that? Like we've never begged you, come on, give one more offering, pass that bucket around one more time. We need to keep the lights on. Never. God... God has blessed this church such, in such a powerful way, and you people are so generous that we are now able to take an entire offering on a Sunday and just bless other people. I think you ought to clap your hands for that. That's incredible. Let me tell you where the offering's going. First of all, we believe in local missions, local missions. This is, this is our first priority is to this region, the Bay Area. This is where God's placed us and called us. And this is an incredible season, ladies and gentlemen, for us to make an impact and serve people. So one great thing we're doing is our Christmas Eve candlelight services. I'm fired up about because we've never been able to have a candlelight service because we've rented buildings before and they won't let me play with fire. <laughs> but now we have our own building and we're going to light it up. Come on, everybody. Yeah. So here are the times, December 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's all 730 at night. Saturday, it's 3, 5, and 7. They're all identical services. And you can get your tickets at Eventbrite, tfcpeople at eventbrite.com. That is for priority seating. There's going to be enough seats for everybody. We have 6,000 seats with all six of these services. We'll be totally fine. Uh, you can still come even if you don't have it. But we'll, if you want priority seating, and it'll help us know so not, you know, we don't have like 3,000 people come to one service and there's not room. So this spreads it out. So do me a favor. Go there. Get your tickets today. By the way, you have some invite cards on your chair, and I want to encourage you, you have a week or so to invite some friends to this. Let's do this this week. Let's, let's go out of our way to invite a friend. 80% of people that don't go to church 
said that they would go to church if someone they knew just invited them personally. Let's take them up on that. Let's take advantage of that. What's the worst they can say? Okay, well, big deal. Like if they say no, then it's no. What's the best that can happen? Yeah, it's a yes, and not just a yes, but maybe they come here, maybe they give their life to Jesus, maybe their, their whole destiny and family for generations has changed. Would that be worth giving a car and say, come to my church? Absolutely. So I want to encourage all of you to do that, and then we have, of course, our January fast. We start the year off every year, January 8th, with a fast, January 8th through the 29th. It's 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we just, really, this is one of the secrets of our church. It's not just worship or the preaching. It is prayer. We have prayer every Thursday night, um, starting again in January. And, and we pray and we say for 21 days, God, we give the year to you. Let us know what you're blessing this year so we can come along that, alongside of that and just follow you. That's what we want. And that's going to be a great time. We're, we don't fast ever at Christmas or New Year's. That's to eat large quantities of food. How many thank God for that? Even if I called a fast, none of y'all, y'all be like, let's change churches. This is ridiculous. That was not of the Lord. Anyway, so we wait, we wait, and uh, you, can, you can gorge yourself. And then be real spiritual, and then we'll fast on January 8th. And we'll, be, we'll tell you recipes and messages, and we'll help you with all that stuff. Okay, locally. Let's talk about locally for a second, because you need to know where this is going. We're vetting out different ministries in the area so we can be a blessing to them. And, and we have our homeless small group that feeds homeless people every week. We have, um, because of your generosity, get ready to clap. For Thanksgiving, you, you, this church fed 1,200 people. Come on. We got to clap our hands for that. That's because of what you do. And then there's ministry partners where it's Shepherd's Gate. It's a women's shelter and, 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 and love a child. And there's other ministry partners in the Bay Area that we partner with that we don't get any benefit from here on earth. We don't, it's not like when we give it to them, we see a return in our church. But we do that just to be a blessing to other people. And here's what we're doing. Depending on what comes in today, we're going to go to these, these and, and, and I'm not just naming the names, but we're vetting some of them and asking them like, hey, what's your biggest need? Or if you could have a wish list, what would it be? We've made no promises to them, no promises at all. But we're just going to show up to several different organizations that are loving people in Jesus' name and doing great good and show up with a check and say, God bless you from your Fellowship Church family. Merry Christmas. I mean... Yeah. We're going to videotape it and show you next Sunday some of that, all right? So you don't want to miss next week. But that's, we, want to, we want to get together with ministry partners and do that together. All right, here's the third, uh, the other area is, is national missions. There's local missions, and then there's national missions. Now, our nation needs God. <laughs> it's, the, the, the government is not going to fix America. I think the best way to fix America is by planting more life-giving churches. So we're going to plant more life-giving churches, and we do. Every, week, every month that we give, a portion of that goes to help plant, start new churches. And we, we train these guys. We bless them. And um, it's amazing. This is a little video from Dino Rizzo, and he just wants to say a big thank you to the church. And here's a quick little update on church planting in America. Check it out. What's going on, Fellowship Church? Come on in your new facility. Love your pastor, Sean and Diana, all that's going on, their family. I want to thank you for your generosity in giving to planting churches. You're getting ready to hear the story of what God has done through ARC this year. Couldn't have happened without your giving and your commitment and your great church and your pastors. We love you guys. Check this out. You know, ARC this year was an incredible year. We were able to say yes to a lot of couples who wanted to plant a church. We planted over 79 churches this year. On one Sunday, one Sunday, we launched over 26 churches. I believe it's a fantastic day in church history, that many churches being planted. It really blew our mind, the amount of resources they gave us, and really helped us take this vision that's in our heart and put it on paper and practically begin to outline the steps of how do we really launch a church first class. They really spoke into that and it's made a huge difference in our journey. They've been willing to partner with what God has spoke to us and that's priceless to have people with you arm in arm, stride in stride saying let's win more people to the kingdom. This year we were able to give over four million dollars into launching new churches. When you give uh, and then we turn around and we give it to another church planter. You just see that dream continue. Going forward in 2017 and beyond, the, the, the dream is that we'll be able to plant over 100 churches. And just imagine what that's going to do for that community. And it's really not about the number 100, it's about the people 
It's about the impact. Because of your giving, your generosity, we get to talk to you about amazing things that are happening through church planning. So I just want to say a big thank you on behalf of Pastor Greg at ARC and all the lead team and all the churches, all the church planners that are living out the dream. It's because of your generosity. So thanks a lot for being a part of ARC. Come on, let's snap our hands for that, ladies and gentlemen. We got a couple stats here really fast. Let's show these. We have this year, in 2016, we have 17 churches that we helped start around the globe. This is not America. This is around the globe. 79 churches this year, 20,000 people in attendance in these new churches. Over 1,000 people gave their life to Christ. And check this out, 275, that's the number of the average church attendance on the first Sunday. That's incredible. Let's go to the next slide here. This is, this is cool. 613 churches is the number that we've planted total in America to date. 613, and they have a 95% success rate, meaning after five years they're still going strong, 250, 300, 500 people. And then we have, this is what they're giving to missions. <laughs> You're going to love this. Anybody here who, who, who's wondering, like, is it a good investment? After we have invested in them, they now, these 613 churches, give over $15 million a year to missions around the globe. Come on. We ought to really clap our hands. You're part of something that's bigger than you. And then we want to help plant churches, and then we want to resource those who are already existing. And a lot of churches and pastors feel stuck. I know from firsthand experience, for the first five years of this church, we felt stuck. Couldn't grow, and, and we were really frustrated with a lot of... A lot of things, and then God began to give a strategy through our prayer meeting and relationship with the ark. And so now we have a passion to help pastors who feel stuck and struggling. And so this this next year in the spring, we're having we're having a grow two-day conference right here in our church where pastors can come from around the country and we can bless them, give them all the goods with the growth track, dream team, small groups, Sundays, and bless them and their families. And some of them can't afford to come, so we're gonna sponsor them to come. This is, this is where some of this funds is going. It's where some of the funds are going. And then, this is really cool, we're going to do this too. We picked five pastors who planted this year, five pastors. They don't even know what's coming yet, but it's going to be fun. This, this week, we're sending them a check uh, because I remember what it was like when my wife and I first started this church 14 years ago. I was 24 years old. We dumped our life savings into it, everybody. I mean, there was no, like, second plan B. It was just all of it. And so we lived with my mom-in-law, in a one-bedroom, six of us, four babies under the age of two, and they were all sleeping in, like, cribs and things like that. We didn't take a salary from the church for, like, the first eight months. I mean, that first Christmas was tight. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So what we're doing is we thought, let's now take some, some of this funds and let's send them a Christmas check saying to these pastors who just planted, you have to spend this on your kids. You cannot spend it on the church or lights or sound system. This is just going to your kids. Thank you for planning a church and stepping out in faith. So that's one, that one's dear to my heart. And um, then there's international missions. We want to bless the world. Listen, I know sometimes it's out of sight, out of mind, like you don't see the world a lot. Hey, listen to me, everybody. You need to know if you're going to love God, you have to love what he loves. And the Bible says, for God so loved the, the world, the whole world. He loves all people, all people groups. He loves the world. So 821, uh, that's reaching people around the world with Christine Kane. And we couldn't even wait, man. She was here Wednesday. We blessed her really good in her ministry to help with human trafficking. Get these kids and these boys, rescue them, and get them restored in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe in that. It's legacy. And then in addition to that, we want to plant some churches and church planting around the, the nations. And 97% of the American dollar that goes to missions goes to already reached people groups, meaning the gospel is already in that region and uh, 3% of the American dollar goes to unreached people groups. So this year, we'd like to focus a little bit more on, on reaching people who have not heard the gospel at all, not even once. Like, they don't even have a Bible in their, in their own dialect. So we, we'd like to send some more money to that. And then our church is going to Nicaragua in 2017. This is going to be super exciting. Yeah, on the invitation of the president of Nicaragua, we're coming, and he opened door. This is, it's insane what God is doing and setting us up for a big crusade out there and loving people through the week and medical missions teams and food and all this great stuff, we're going to go. But by the way, you, have, you see our Christmas trees out here. You can buy a Christmas tree today on your way home. 
if you're going to buy one, you might as well buy it here. That's where it's going to a good cause. 100% of that is going to the missionaries in our church that want to go on this trip. So they're raising money for that. So go get yourself a Douglas fir, a noble something or other, whatever those trees are called, and decorate it and know that you're helping send someone to make a difference in another country as well. Amen? Amen. How many are glad you're not a part of a boring church? A lot going on. This is the fourth part. This is our church, our church, Fellowship Church, and this is to accelerate the vision of the church. Some of you are like, Sean, does it really need acceleration? Like, we're going pretty fast. The answer is absolutely yes, because God keeps giving us opportunity. He keeps giving us influence, and we're going to be the best stewards we possibly can be with this. When, when God opens up a door, you better be ready. When God opens up a door, that's not the time for you to start frantically thinking, okay, we've got, we got to get ready, guys. we got to get ready. No. Nope. When God opened up the door for this, the church had $3 million in the bank. I'll preach. I'll, I'll amen myself if y'all not going to do it today. <laughs> $3 million. And then, of course, we gave an above that. And look what the Lord has done, everybody. Listen, this church has grown by 70% this year alone. I'll show you a video in just a second. Giving has gone up by 50%. I'm telling you, you are making a difference. You are leaving a mark. And when God opens up more doors of opportunity for us to plant other campuses, we're looking right now, like where do we, what city do we plant another, ch- another church in close by, a video campus of some sort, and we're just trying to figure all that out. We're, we we want to be ready when the door opens so we can go running to reach more people with the love of God. The question is not, hey, isn't this church big enough? That's never the question. The question is not, isn't this church big enough? The question is, who's still missing? How many are grateful that we didn't stop reaching out before you got here? How many are grateful that people were praying before you got here, giving before you got here, serving on the day you showed up? Now it's our turn. Let's go make some more stories together. Is anybody with me today? And then we have Giving Hope, which is this Saturday. We have sponsored a lot of kids thanks to your generosity and uh, by invitation only. Don't just show up. <clears throat> invitation only. They come here and, and they, the parents get to shop and pick a big present, a medium present, a small present. Families who are genuinely in need. And then we pray for them. We have our prayer team in here and their kids are blessed. Then they wrap the presents and they take it home so they can have a Christmas in Jesus' name. And then we have something else called Random acts of kindness. And these are new kindness cards I want you all to grab on your way out. Even if you have the the regular ones, take these because it has the seasonal times on there for our church services. And go go do something kind for somebody in Jesus' name. Now, don't take these and just give it to somebody because the front says a simple way to say God loves you, no strings attached. Do not give the card to them because then they'll be like, you're right, that was a very simple way. Don't, Don't do that. Go do something for them. Like go to restaurants and leave a fat tip and then leave a card. And all the waiters and waitresses say amen. It's like four of them. All right. <laughs> They're all working today. Yeah, that's right. We need to go bless them. So I need you to bless some people this week. Buy somebody's coffee. Give them a card. Do something kind and do that. Now look at me, everybody. Look at me. I know you're already doing this, but can you accelerate that this week? Can we step on the gas? Because people are open in the Christmas season to hearing about Jesus and and receiving kind things in Jesus' name more this time than any other time in the year. Let's press the gas, all right? So that's a little bit about what's going on here at the church. All right, let let me give you the sermon now, okay? That was all introduction. You guys ready for the sermon? Well, I'll let you out of here in about three hours. I'm just kidding. Just a few more minutes, but let me give you a quick, a quick sermon, okay? Psalm 112. Psalm 112, talking about legacy. This is important. The psalmist says, Good will come to those who are generous. Everybody say generous. And lend freely. Who conduct their affairs with justice. Say justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. Say shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will be remembered forever. Okay, look at me, everybody. God expects us to be generous. We were not meant to keep it all for ourselves. And there is a way that you can be unshaken. You say, is that true? Like, I can be unshaken? Yep, the Bible just told us. I can't stop the shaking around you. But in the middle of all the chaos of the world, God can make it possible to where you are unshakable in your soul. 
Like you could be unshaken despite what's going on in the world. But you better, you better define what your life is all about, like right now. Because if you don't define what your life is about, your problems will define it for you. You need to figure out why are you here on earth, what are you supposed to be doing, and how can you make a difference in other people's lives? You need to figure this out, because without vision, people perish. Life will never make sense to you until you figure out how you can live your life in such a way where you're making a difference in other people's lives. That's what makes this day so great, because it's about leaving a legacy. And in verse 6, it says, a generous, a righteous man will be remembered forever. Okay, everybody shout legacy. Legacy is this. It's, it's where your life outlives you. It's where when you're dead and gone, your life won't stop. Your legacy won't stop. Your, your, the mark that you've left on the earth won't quit just with you. And it's incredible because we look at stories in the Bible like Moses. Remember Moses? Prince of Egypt. Okay, He led God's people out of slavery. He was an incredible leader. And then he passed it on to Joshua. Great leader. And we have this verse that says, Joshua's proclaiming it, and we've used it for years in church. It's like, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we all are like, yes, amen. It's also a sad verse because it stopped with his family. If you keep reading the few chapters after, it says, there arose a generation after that did not know God nor the works of God. It's crazy to think that God, he moved so mightily in Moses moved so mightily in Joshua, and then it stopped. It just, it went off a cliff. The legacy didn't continue. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I know that's not your heart. You want to leave a lasting legacy in, in your life. I'm fifth generation pastor on both sides of my family. My great, great grandpa planted 14 churches in North Dakota before church planting was even a thing. And then on my other side, my grandpa, my mom's side, missionary, Philippines, I was born in the Philippines, and my, and then my parents and, and grandpas, uncles, cousins, they're all, it's like the mafia. Like the, it's just Amen. church mafia. But it's amazing because there's legacy there. And I remember I, before I became a pastor, I even prayed. I was like, God, am I doing this because it's the family business? What are you? And I felt him say this to me at a 16-year-old age. I felt him say, you have an incredible legacy, but there's a unique calling on your life. Amen. Thank God. We stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. Thank God for legacy. Now, nothing brings me greater joy than to see my daughters serving, loving, worshiping. I mean, lead. It, nothing gives me greater joy. I love my girls with all of my heart. They are my daughters in whom I am well pleased. And they serve like crazy, go to every service, serve all over. Not because they have to. We never, we, we never ask them to. They want to. And many times you'll see me bust my cell phone out and start videotaping them in church, worshiping. They're like, Sean, isn't that, you shouldn't be doing that. I don't care. Some people videotape their kids playing soccer and basketball. I, I videotape mine in church, worshiping and serving God. Like there's something about generations loving God. There's something about generations serving God. It's so powerful. And God wants your life to live, be lived in such a way where it lives on. How do we do that? Psalm 112 tells us how. By giving to something that will outlive us. To giving to something that will outlive us. We, we give our lives away. It's where we say to, to this to ourselves, I'm going to find a church, I'm going to find a cause, and I'm going to pour my life into that, into people. Not just money, time, my talents, my abilities, and treasure, all of it. Listen, this solves some of the most crazy problems in your life. Because it doesn't do away with the problems, but now you have something in your life that's bigger than your problems. You're not just focused on, oh, I'm just so depressed, I'm depressed, I'm depressed. Now you're living for something that's bigger than your depression. You're serving people, and that breaks depression. I mean, there's something inside of you that God has hardwired you to give. And, and it's about living your life in a way where you're making a difference for eternity. Because this church has a mission. Okay, look at me. You have a mission. You're not just here to suck air and take up space. You're created on purpose, for purpose, with a purpose. But most of us, honestly, most of us only think about our time here on earth. Your life, the major part of it is eternal. Your, your, your life here on earth is so tiny. And part of my job as a pastor is to get you prepared for eternity. So let me do that. Romans, Romans chapter 14 says this. Romans 14 says, why do you judge your brother or sister? 
Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will acknowledge that, that, that God is God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to whom? To God. That's the judgment day. Now look, look at me. There is a judgment day coming. You don't have to be afraid. But on that day, you better be on the right team. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And a lot of people are going to say, oh my goodness, Jesus Christ really was God. How many, how many in, in high school hated taking tests? You hated it. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you nerds love taking tests? Oh, where are the nerds at? Yeah, we don't like you. Super smart people. Comes really easy to you. I know. I hated going into a test unprepared. Unprepared. Like, there's not, a, there's not a, a worse feeling than going into a test and you know you shouldn't be there. Like, you didn't study. You were talking on the phone last night. You don't, you don't even know all the answers. And then the scantrons. Scantrons are the worst. Because you're reading the questions like it's multiple choice. Like, A, it sounds like A. And then you read B, and you're like, well, that sounds like B. could be it, too. C sound, yes, it might be C, and then D, all the above, and then the time starts running out, and you know, teacher's like, okay, class, a couple more minutes, and you're freaking out, heart palpitations. Anybody ever done this like me? You just look at all the scantron, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, and you're like, ah, and I just spell abacadabba all the way down and hope for the best. You know what I'm saying? I, I got really bad grades until 11th grade. When I got to 11th grade, I actually started doing my homework. And when I did my homework, I started acing all my tests. I got straight A's, 11th and 12th grade. Crazy, I know. Nobody even ever told me to do my homework before. It's a crazy idea. Students, do your homework. All the parents say amen. So I I feel like I don't want you to get to heaven and not be prepared. How sad would that be as a pastor if I didn't prepare you for the assessment? There's going to be two assessments. And today, I'm not going to just give you the questions. I'm giving you the answers. This is an open book test. Number one, the first question you'll have to ask, the first assessment on Judgment Day is, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? Jesus Christ came to earth to pay for sin. Sin had to be paid for. You and I couldn't pay for it. Unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people who are paying for their own sin. Okay, look at me, everybody. Hell is not a place where God sends people he's mad at. Hell is a place where people go to pay for their sins if they want to. My suggestion is, Let Jesus pay. He already paid, and he paid it in full. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody in the room that's grateful that we have a God who paid for our sins so that we can be forgiven? We can stand before God guilty but blameless because of Jesus Christ paying our bill. So let God pay for that. What did you do with Jesus? On that day, there's going to be a lot of wrong answers. There's going to be a lot of wrong answers. But you have to understand, this is not relative. Truth is not relative There's going to be a right answer and a wrong answer. And I don't understand why we get this in every other area of our life. Like two plus two is? It's not three. It's not 17. It's not 98. You can't walk up to your math teacher and be like, you know what? I really feel like I got an A on that math test. And she's like, no, you got 67%. No, I really feel, I feel like, I know that's what that said, but I feel like I should get an A. No, you don't deserve an A. You got 67%. That's a bad grade. That's because it's not based on your feelings, it's based on the truth. I went to a Warriors game and, um, a few weeks ago, and they played the Lakers. And um, the Lakers lost. And the Lakers came over. What, what if a Laker came over and said, I feel like we won today. Come on, high fives. No, you didn't win. The Warriors had 149 points. The Lakers only had 106. The Lakers got their behind whooped on that night. So it's not based on how you feel. It's based on the truth of the score. Okay, look at me, everybody. There's going to be a lot of wrong answers on that day. Here's the right answer. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man gets to the Father except through me. Jesus is not being arrogant. He's being super helpful. He's being super directional. He's making it so stinking clear, and yet I'm not sure why in in our world there's so much confusion and so many people go to church and be like, well, it can be the stars and Jesus. It can be Buddha and Jesus. No, Jesus is in a class all by himself. There is no equal. There is no rival. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. 
And this what, listen, listen, this is what makes the news so good. And the fact is that Jesus Christ, he made a way when there wasn't one. He paid for sin when he saw you and I could not pay. That's because for God so loved this world that he was willing to give his life for us. That's the good news of the gospel. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we don't want you to be confused on that day. All roads do not go to heaven. And we need to understand when Jesus said this, he was proclaiming the truth. Jesus is the way. Revelation chapter 20 verse 11 puts it this way. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books, underline the word books because it's plural, were open. And then another book. This is open. This is separate. So there's books, plural, and then there's another book. This is called the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, according to what was recorded in the books. Okay, look at me, look at me. There's two Two, two things. There's books, plural, and then there's one book, the book of life. Now, you don't have to be judged based on what's in the books. All of the sin of your life and my life is recorded in the books, plural. You want your name in the other book, the book of life. So that when they come, when they come, Jesus Christ erases and forgives everything in these books and then rewrites your name in the book of life. So that when you stand before God on Judgment Day, the angels are like, I can't even find Diana's name anywhere in these books. And someone says, oh, yeah, that's because her name is written in this other one. Come on. Your name can be written in the book of life, ladies and gentlemen. And we don't have to be judged based on what we have done according to our sin. But Jesus Christ said, I'm going to take the punishment of your sin. Now you can stand before God guilty but blameless because of the price Jesus paid. I'm preaching about 65% better than you're saying amen. Amen. <laughs> So how do we get in the book? It's grace. Saved by grace through faith, believing that he is who he says he is. Matthew chapter 7 puts it this way. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, we perform miracles, all this church stuff? Yeah, you did that. Then I will turn and plainly say, I never knew you. That's a scary verse. That means it needs to be more than head knowledge. That word new in the Greek is gnosko. It means to to love him from your heart. It doesn't mean that you came to a building occasionally. It means that you loved him. And Jesus wants you to know him, to really know him. That is the right answer. What did you do with Jesus? I knew him personally. I loved him from my heart. He was my Lord. He was my Savior. That's who he was. That is the right answer to the first assessment. That's the first assessment. That that has to do with eternal life, and that has to do with whether we get into heaven or not. The second one is how you lived your life. The second question is, what did you do with what I gave you? Okay, this second question has nothing to do with your eternal salvation. God, you don't get saved by works. You get saved by grace, by putting your trust in Jesus. That's the first one. But the second one, there is a reward test. There is going to be an assessment based on how we lived. And to whom much is given, much is required. And I want to help you with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 puts it this way, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And then it goes on to say, which by the way, God wants to repay you. He will be no man's debtor. And when God gives you something, it's good. Like it's, it's when you want the reward of God. It's never like, hey, I already have one of those, God. It's the wrong size. No, he knows. When God gives you a gift, it's going to be good, all right? Matthew chapter 16 puts it this way. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So we're saved by grace, but then our how you live matters. God wants us and expects us to give our lives away. To live in such a way where you're making a difference for eternity in the lives of other people. Okay, before you met Jesus Christ, your entire purpose in life was to find Jesus so that you can have your sins paid for. Once we become Christians and give our life to Jesus, the focus changes. We don't have to search for Jesus. We now have him. 
your, your focus now changes from that to now going after other people and telling them about the love and the grace and the forgiveness so that you can make a difference in somebody else's life. The problem is, listen, the breakdown is a lot of believers spend the first part of their life looking for Jesus, and when they find him, they don't step into the second part. They keep coming to church for themselves. They keep doing ministry for themselves. They keep doing, it's all me, 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 me. And God's like, that's not my plan. I want you to give your life away. Paul said, my life is like a drink offering spilled out. Some people would say, well, you spilled something, it's, 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 it was a waste. Not when it's for people. The time that we invest in people, the, the love that we give in small groups, what we give even in our legacy offering, it's to make a difference and to live intentionally. Okay, here's three things, then I'm done. Number one, I want you to live intentionally, and so we will commit to I will live and I will intentionally give what I have. I'm going to intentionally give what I have. God's not asking for what you don't have. Some of you are like, well, I don't have a lot. I don't have this or that. God's not asking for that, but he is asking for what you do have. Some of you have some encouragement. You could give that away. Some of you have time. You can give that away. Some of you can serve people in our dream team. There are things that God is asking us to give our life away. About every week, I talk to about four or five pastors from other churches. Different pastors will call in, and, and they, they've seen the growth in the church, and they, they need some help. We spend time. Our staff stops what they're doing. I'll spend time with them. Why? Because I know what it felt like to be stuck and struggling, and now we want to give that away. What God has given us in this building comes great responsibility. Now that we have been given such an incredible building, we want to give it away. And when you give, something happens in you. Let me read it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 11 says, you will be enriched in every way. So God wants you to be enriched. By the way, I believe, we don't believe in the, the prosperity gospel because the prosperity gospel says that God wants you rich so that you can be rich. That's not, that's not what we see here. We do see that God wants you to have more than you need so you can make the biggest impact that you possibly can on the earth. You will be enriched in every way, which, by the way, if you live in America, you're richer than most people around the globe. I know you don't feel rich, but just say, I'm rich. I <laughs> know you may not feel it right now in the Bay Area, but I'm telling you, compared to the rest of the world, you're rich. He says, you will be rich, enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your and, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. People are going to come to God. So I, God's not asking you to give what you don't have. He's asking you to give what you do have. And something happens when you give. It's amazing. Matter of fact, um, the, the Wall Street Journal had a, a writing, an article called Hardwired Forgiving. It came out August 31st, 2013. And they, they think they discovered something, which if they would just read the Bible, they'd realize they didn't discover it. God put it inside of us. They said they found out, science found out, that when you give, a chemical is released in your, brain that, in your brain that brings happiness and pleasure. Okay, look at me. Evolution didn't do that. God did that. God did that. He put that in us because we're wired for giving. We are wired for giving. And you need to know why God is blessing you. Why is he blessing you? And you need to know that when you give, you need to give to, peop to people and to causes that are making a difference for eternities. How do we do that? Let me give you an example. Become a percentage giver. Become a percentage giver. Where you're, you're praying, planning, and preparing to give. When we give at our church, if you've been here before, we take maybe 30 seconds to talk about giving. We've never been like, hey, let's take another offering. Let's take a that, that person didn't give. Sit him back down. We didn't do any of that. We, God has blessed the church. And we don't, we don't ever ask you to give at our church. Did you hear me? We don't ever ask you to give. We say go pray, ask God what he would have you do, and then just go do what he showed you. Amen. Now, he showed us clearly in the word of God the first 10%. That's his. That's a tithe. And then we give beyond that. But listen, so, so, many, so much of our giving is spontaneous. Like, we didn't think about it. We didn't plan. We just roll in a church. Like, ooh, okay, okay. Okay, that's cool every once in a while. But do not let your, your normal giving be, be characterized by the spontaneity of giving. You should be planning and preparing what God would have you give in the week. My wife and I and our children, we prayed and we, we talked about it. What should we do as a family to give to the legacy offering? What should we do? And then I asked my girls, what would you girls want to do? And they were like, you mean from our, our money? Yep, from your money. <laughs> so they all have brought an offering today. And they said, yeah, because what we believe in making a difference and leaving a legacy. It's not about equal giving, it's about equal sacrifice. And what a joy, what a joy to give 
to make a difference for eternity. The legacy offering is not something we just, you know, spurred on all the moment. Like, hey, let's do this. We've been letting you know for six weeks to pray, to plan, to prepare. And when we do this, we're, we're investing. We're, we're kind of vetting out all the areas and finding out where you'll get the biggest return on investment. We'll do all the hard work. But I'm telling you today, it's going to be amazing. All right, number two, I will intentionally serve other people. I will intentionally serve other people. How do we do that? Well, we don't just come to church for us. Our dream team is here, and we celebrated them with a dream team Christmas party two weeks ago. It was so fun. We don't come here for us. We don't come on Sunday. I don't come here for me. Our dream team didn't come here for us. We come for those who aren't here yet. We come to serve you, to make your experience great. Serve, to watch kids, and to love kids, and to direct people in the parking lot. We want to reach more people. This is our legacy. And how do I do that? By getting on our, our dream team. You go through our growth track, get on the dream team, start to serve in your passions. Matthew 20 says this, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away as a ransom for many. We're just trying to follow Jesus. We want to give our lives away. And then lastly, write this down. I will intentionally share Christ. I will intentionally share Christ. You need to know the thrill of bringing someone to church that doesn't know God. The Christmas Eve services, this is one of your best chances to invite them and to get a yes. Your best opportunity to get a yes to an invite is Christmas and Easter. So take advantage of that. And when you come, you're going to be super nervous because your friends here, they've never been to church before. They're sitting by you, and you're going to be thinking in your head, like, man, I sure hope they sing the right songs today. (laughs) Sean, don't you mess this up. I got my friend here. (laughs) Don't worry. We got you. We got you. We're going to love, we're going to love them. We're going to love Jesus. We're going to point them to freedom in Christ. Second Corinthians five says, watch this. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead to people, come back to God. Everybody come back to God. Luke 14 says, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges, everywhere you can think of. Urge anyone you find to come in. God says, so that my house will be, shout it out. It's full. You may not like a full room. God likes a full room. There's, we don't want empty chairs in the church. We want people filling those chairs who are broken, hurting, so they can find Jesus, and they can find hope, and they can find healing in the Lord. Amen, everybody. Amen. So Christmas is, is a great time to do that. Let me end with this. Um, I want to show you a video of what God has done in the last 12 months of this church. We couldn't fit it all in. We're going to show this video, and then I have one more scripture verse to read you. And I want you to just see that what the dream team has done and your generosity has accomplished in 12 short months.
Come on, somebody ought to give God a shout of praise today for letting us be such a, a part of something so amazing as the church of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, what you do has made a difference for eternity. If one last verse where Paul writes a letter to a pastor. He says this, command those who are in the church, command them to be rich in this present world. Those who are rich in this present world, which again, by the way, if you're, if you're in America, you're richer than most of the world. He says the present world, meaning that there's another world. Like This is not all there is. There is eternity somewhere. But while we're here, those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. This is not a suggestion. Paul says, command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. To be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age in heaven, so they may take hold of life, which is really life. You will never know what life is all about until you give yours away. And that's when God comes in and fills you with such a great joy and a purpose for your life.